Hey y'all, just a quick little disclaimer about this episode. Um, We had some technical issues, as we mentioned in the last episode, and because of that, we had to re-record portions of Bree's interview. So it's going to sound a little bit like Lynn disappears for a little while, but it's just because we had to re-record some of the questions and piece it together. So I hope it all sounds good, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Nobody is going to be surprised by my answer, which is supernatural. Chef's kiss, baby, brings the power. I'm kind of pissed off. By far the best episode so far. Brad Pitt. <laughs> All right. Well, it's episode four of Let's Get Mystical. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Oh, I, thought I thought you were welcoming the audience. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a guest with us today, Ms. Brie Bonomo. Hi there, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. Um, she sounds we... so sweet compared to us. <laughs> <laughs> this is my performance. <laughs> yeah. When she, when she does her videos, I'm like most of the time, I don't even know if I listen to what she says because I'm just listening to her voice. Her voice. <laughs> oh my gosh. That literally, I've been getting that compliment so much lately, and it like, oh, my ego is like skyrocketing. <laughs> Even when you do the lives with Autumn, you know, your voice is just, you know, perfectly aligned and it's, it's fantastic to listen to. Like uh, music. It's great. That, maybe that's why I'm a good counselor. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, before we get started, I just want to quickly mention that the day we are recording this is Thursday, November 10th. And the reason I want to do that is because we are going to be talking about a couple of weeks of television during the beating stuff. So I don't want anybody to get confused about what episodes we're talking about. <clears throat> and I don't want to I don't want to mention why it has to be a couple weeks because I look like a terrible person <laughs> Stop oh, <no>. it. um <laughs> and since I, I kind of already introduced Bree so I'm gonna just hold off on her formal introduction until we get to her um interview but she's gonna join us for pretty much the whole show so that's gonna be fun I'm very excited uh last week's question we, did only, we only got one response to it, but since Bree's here, I'm going to ask you as well and see if you have an opinion on it. Um, so last week we asked our listeners if they would rather be an elf or a fairy. And um, before I ask you your opinion, um, we the one response we did get was from all people in the world, my mother. <laughs> I saw that! <laughs> <laughs> and she said she wants to be a fairy because she wants to be able to fly over everything. <laughs> I love your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I adore that. <laughs> so, Brie, do you have an opinion on which one you'd rather be? Uh, it's like, this is so hard because I guess, like, I'm going to have to go with, like, traditional, like, elves and fairies because there's so many iterations nowadays where, like, fairies are, like, people size and stuff like that. Um, I'm probably going to end up picking a fairy, though, because I love, like kindly messing with people (laughs) (laughs) you're a prankster okay i'm not a bully i promise but like oh my god i am i love pranks (laughs) and hijinks it's my thing you should have met my former boss slash best friend he loves pranks Every day I'd come into the office and there'd be like a plastic roach sitting on my, my keyboard or to get him back. I put snapping pops under the toilet seat. So when he sat down, yeah, I, we get, got each other back and forth. It's funny that you prefaced it with that Brie, because that's actually what Lynn said last week when we were answering the question is there's so many different kinds. It's hard to choose. 
Yeah, and my most yeah. recent was the romantic fantasy, and in mine, you know, elves were aloof and they they think they're superior, but the elves were. I don't know if I just said that backwards. The fairy, the fae, mm -hmm. were aloof and the elves were like warriors and badasses. So it's like, which version are we, we talking about? Are we talking about Tinkerbell? Are we talking about the Unseelie yeah. and Seelie court? So, yeah. Same. I think Brie and I are going to be best friends. <laughs> I love this. Yes. Well, and I can... love, I mean, all of my supernatural things are like right up my alley. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, yeah. you guys can uh, find each other on YouTube and stuff when we're done here. Absolutely. Because sure. all that stuff's going to be in the show notes. Even how Bree's, Bree's how have I not found her channel yet, though? That's so wild. That's almost, I follow all writers and <laughs> and all people that get up at five in the morning. I don't know why, because I don't, but I love that, those videos. <laughs> There's so many out there. <laughs> I know. And I don't get up at five in the morning. I, I still do because of work, but. <laughs> I work from home. I'm disabled. I can't drive. Mm -hmm. So I decided, screw it. And I just turned this into a full business. So I love that for you. Yeah. Hey, you are young, aren't you? Um, I'm 30. <laughs> yeah, you're young. I love that for you. That's what my baby okay. sister says, and she's your age. I didn't know that before, so I didn't know you were younger than me even. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'll be 31 in a month, a little less than a month now. You are you are my baby sister's age. I am literally <laughs> the old lady in the room. I'll be 46 in December. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, you're <gasps> killing it, obviously. So Thanks. Thanks, sister. <laughs> I'll be 35 in January. Yeah, her last blog or her last uh, podcast, her other podcast, she made sure talking about me about our substantial age difference. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. Oh yeah, gosh. she's talking about my my second podcast um, that I just recently started. I was going to say a second one. Oh, my gosh. We're going to mm. have to add this now. <laughs> well, I have separate one and we have this one together and she has a separate one and this one together. So, yeah. And then we both have YouTubes and we both write. And she's my personal assistant and my editor. Jen's busy. You have a lot of hats. <laughs> I do. Yes, I do. That's why my YouTube channel is called Complicated Life, even though I don't yes. touch up most of it. Yes. This she, makes more sense now. That's why she gets up so early. I get to sleep till eight every day. All right. Well, let, before we get too off topic, like we usually do, um, let's get to this week's question, which is what show was your most recent supernatural or paranormal binge? And nobody is going to be surprised by my answer, which is supernatural. Supernatural. Um, how about you, Lynn? Uh, we were actually checking out uh, the Sandman and I'm dying for the next season. Right now we're watching Blacklist, which is not supernatural, but the Sandman chef's kiss baby oh such perfection you know when you're when you go in as a writer and you watch things as a writer you find those plot holes and the dangling threads mm -hmm. and you know inconsistencies chef's kiss man this is i cannot wait for the next season and they just pick the most it's a um neil gaiman it's mm -hmm. off of one of his work so it is mm. They pick the best actor I think, for isn't it. Isn't he a writer for it too? I mean, well, he's yeah, been... Neil Guy, Neil Gaiman's like one of the most well-known indie public uh, indie authors out there. Yeah, I'm sorry, I meant um, like, isn't he a writer on the show too? Oh yeah, he uh -huh. does yeah. typically write a lot of the movies and shows yeah. that he does anymore. So, which honey, when he's incredible. That, yeah, when you get to that caliber, you can pretty much do anything you want. Exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I there's I've yet to find one of his that I didn't like. So. That he's been like a screenwriter and a mm -hmm. producer and stuff for us. So he's he's multifaceted. He is. Um, he's we'll talk about him more next week because I've been watching Good Omens and it's not good oh, news. Oh, yeah. Um, I, bad news. What, what, what was her name? Andy? 
Yes. I, I have not been able to to even get through the first episode yet. I've yeah, been so busy okay. with, well, with the release coming up and then I got, I went nose first into that, the new book and, and then being so close to the shots, my brain is gone. So I have not been able to even watch a single episode of that yet, but That's I will, okay. I promise I will. We, we got all the time to watch that. Um, we, Brie, we had someone actually request us to watch and discuss two different TV shows. So we split it up. Oh, but I have cool. literally like an hour to two hours tops at night to watch any mm-hmm. TV. And by that time, my husband's home. Yep. <laughs> so we have to kind of negotiate what we're watching. So we're, although I got to tell you, man, I got a crush on James Spader right now. So. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, that voice. I could listen to that voice all night long. She says this every week, Brie. Oh. <laughs> I love it. It's, oh. it's a recurring theme. Oh. <laughs> It just, even when he's being a bad guy and he's threatening to kill someone, I'm like, yes, kill me, daddy. Like <laughs> his voice. Oh, that Anyways. part might get edited out. <laughs> oh no, you have to keep that. That is pretty, my, my, my podcast originally was titled a hot mess writer's life. We have since changed it, mm-hmm. but it's because I'm a total hot mess. I'm a total <laughs> I hot mean, mess. I, you know, I am always, I'm usually the stressed mess express. Stress mess. I love that. <laughs> That is oh. so perfect. Anyway, back on topic. <laughs> this happens. <laughs> uh, Bree, did you have a most recent uh, supernatural paranormal binge of yours? Um, I, I mean, I've been, I haven't really had time to binge anything. So I would just say like the only three things that all ended in like the same week that I was watching consistently was House of the Dragon vampire academy and brings a power so if you want to consider those binges that's that's the most recent thing i've watched did you like rings of power um it's so it's very hard to detach from the source material because it's it's not really using any like it's using like the baseline material and like doing their own thing um, but I would I ca- say the last two episodes were the most interesting, I think, of the whole series. Okay. Because I could not get past like the fourth episode. I was so bored. Yeah. And that's probably one of the worst episodes too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> House of Dragon. I don't have HBO, but I'm about to go to my girlfriend's house and binge. Oof. I mean, I, I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm so speechless. Like I loved it so much. It was such, we were talking, you just talked about Sandman being well-written. Oh, what a good written show. And like the acting, I could gush about that. Like, I just loved it. It's very slow and political, which is a little bit different than like the actual Game of Thrones because that was more about, I mean, that was very political political too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I should say it's internal. Um, That's what I I think I wanted to say. The the politics are very internal because you're only focusing on one family. So it's like a family drama with the politics. It's a very, I don't know. It's just very good. Yeah. I need to, I I just don't have, I don't want to keep getting more and more streaming services. You know, it's like. I know. It's so hard because there's so many. (laughs) I know. And then there's, I want to watch this over here and this over there. I just don't want to keep getting. So I'm like, I'll just go to my girlfriend's one day and have a a girl date or something. Well, I do want to watch Rings of Power because hello, Lord of Rings. But um, (laughs) don't expect Lord of Rings um, feel. I didn't, I didn't feel like it had that same feeling. I might. It's it's sort of the same world. So for me, well, and you and I, you and I have a lot different tastes though. So you might love it. Yeah. 
But um, we all know the only reason I would ever watch House of Dragon is for Matt Smith. <laughs> I mean, worth it. <laughs> I, I had my lips formed to say Matt Smith as you were saying that. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, she so, loves Jensen Ackles but refuses to watch The Boys. So oh I told my, her she oh, would man, hate what a him in that. <laughs> did, did you watch The Boys? Yes, I'm obsessed. <laughs> I know. She refuses to watch it. I told her she would hate his part in that. Mm-hmm. He is oh, yes. such a jackass in that show. But it's perfect for the show, though. Mm-hmm. And I love, like, the, the rule departure. I've only watched, like, Supernatural. That is on my list to binge eventually. But I have only watched, like, episodes here and there. Yeah, And it's too. nothing like his character. No. Yeah. Well, he didn't get typecast, finally. Like, exactly. Typecast. That's- that's exactly what I was thinking and going. Yeah. With. Yep. All I say I'm going to say about Supernatural is it's going to take you a little while because it took me like three or four times rewatching season one to actually get into it. And now I can't get mm-hmm. enough of it. So give it past season one. <laughs> yeah, I watch it when I'm like, if I have a day where I can't get off, you know that, Jen, when I, I can't get off the couch because of my condition, then I, you know, I'll sit and mm-hmm. watch Supernatural. I like it. It's okay. <laughs> It's a CW show, so, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. That's exactly what I was thinking. You can enjoy it, but there's definitely flaws. I like violence. Hence the reason I like the boys. So. Mm-hmm. Well, it's an interesting segue. So um, since you said something about violence, do you want to talk about Walking Dead next? <sighs> there's two more episodes <laughs> left. I don't know if I want to talk about it because I might cry. Um, last week's or this this past week's, I'm kind of pissed off because there is way too much being left open. How are you going to resolve this in two episodes? Still no appearance of Rick, still no appearance of Michonne. And so help me God, if they bring him in like the last 10 minutes of the last episode, I will be so mad. And you know, there's the rumors of uh, spinoffs, which I think they've confirmed it, of Rick and Michonne, Daryl and uh, Negan and uh, Maggie. I will not be watching them. Why did Rick leave if he's going to go and have a spinoff? That's all I'm saying. We probably wouldn't be ending this damn show if it wasn't for him leaving the show. But I was, I was, I was told last week's that I missed last week's. So that's why we talk about two weeks worth of shows. Um, I did catch up on it. Oh, it's a filler. It's a filler. I liked it. I, I did like it. I disagreed with the person. I felt like there was a lot of information that needed to be put in there, but I just, there's so much that needs to be finished in two episodes. I don't know how they're going to clean this up without leaving people like me. The Sopranos finale. I don't know if anybody watched mm-hmm. The Sopranos. That's how I'm feeling. Like, are you going to just leave us hanging? Are you going to yeah. rush it all? Like, I don't know. I've been, Bree, I've been watching Walking Dead from episode one, season one. And at one point, my my writing cave, my office was nothing but Walking Dead. I have, still have it all. I didn't get rid of any of it. The dolls, the posters. I have a Walking Dead jacket, a Walking Dead pillow. I had Walking Dead curtains. Oh I God. have a mug. <laughs> I love this dedication. Yeah. I am a die and I'm going down with the ship. I'm going, I don't even remember half the characters' names anymore because they took off like, you know, the OGs and brought in new people before we had time to, to fall in love, you know, and, but I'm going down with the ship, even though I'm not as excited every week now, but I just don't know how they're going to close all these storylines in two episodes, but I I probably will cry. I think Brie can relate with the whole cave covered and walking dead stuff. Cause she's got a lot of various, um, 
memorabilia from different things. Oh and, yeah, uh, yeah. When when room. she was on uh, a live video once, I saw a Funko Pop behind her, and I'm like, oh, I got I got to know what that is. I got to know what that is. And as soon as she told me what it was, I was like, yep, we're best friends. <laughs> what what Funko Pop was it? I was oh my god, which one was it? Because I have a lot. I have um I have a a big collection. Um, let's see. Behind me, I have a bunch of Harry Potter ones. I have zombie Deadpool. Um, I love Deadpool. Batman Forever, Poison Ivy, uh, Stephen King, Edgar Allan Poe. There you Beetle go. <laughs> We're besties. We're besties. That's it. Um, I got a whole gang of True Blood guys, some more superheroes, Sailor okay. Moon. <laughs> okay. So yeah, yeah. I have it a was lot. the it was the Edgar Allan Poe one. I'm like, is that actually Edgar Allan Poe? Because if it is, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Bree, I have a bearded dragon that I inherited from a girl going to college, and his name is Edgar Allan Poe. Oh my god, I love that. We call him Eddie. That is so cute. Yep. <laughs> yep. It officially changed his name, huh? His name is Edgar Allan Poe. I call him Eddie. <laughs> yep. Or Edgar, if you want to be super fancy. fancy. <laughs> so one more thing TV-wise for me, and then um, if you guys have anything else you want to talk about, since Bree already talked about the two shows that we have on the list for her but she did say something about vampire academy so if you want to talk about that let me know oh um, actually i, I want to know if that stayed like close to i didn't read the books but i saw the movie is it pretty close to the movie <laughs> no oh. <laughs> <laughs> and truthfully the movie is extremely close to the book <laughs> that was funny even though the movie was terrible but it was exactly as it happens in the book. Well, I think he, the movie could have been phenomenal if they had different actors. Yeah, yeah. Since he and different directors instigated the, the conversation here. Let's just talk about that, and then I'll get to my thing. <laughs> oh gosh, I so I took a small hiatus from YouTube because I'm finishing up my graduate program, and um, I spent a lot of time thinking about doing just a dedicated YouTube video on my hatred for the show. <laughs> Um, it is so bad. It is so oh, bad. Wow. Um, in my opinion. And there might be people who love it and eat it up. Like, on the one hand, I am happy that they aged some of the characters up, but, like, they didn't really explain it. Um, that's the, the thing that I think the show is lacking is they're pretty much relying on the viewers to understand the world. So... I watched it with my partner and he had no idea what was going on half the time because he's like, nothing's explained. And I'm like, I'm not going to lie. I also don't know what's going on. And I've read the books. <laughs> um, it is the same director, producer as the Vampire Diaries. And you can very much tell they're trying to use a very similar formula to how the Vampire Diaries was played out. Trying to feed and, out that popularity. Yes. Um, so there was a lot of like like sexual nature, which not to say that doesn't come into the books, but it is a young adult book series. So there's a lot more like sex and like parts that, you know, if you were a 16 year old or even younger reading these books, because the books start off pretty young. Um like they're like 15 or 16 in the book and it they grow up and mature with the books as well. But yeah, I can't imagine recommending this to like a 14 year old to watch personally. Mm. That's, but that's how I felt about Interview with the Vampire. I was so I, mad about that. The the new TV show? Yes. Girl, I, haven't, I, I didn't get past 15 minutes of the first episode. Okay. That's on my list. But it's weird because I heard some a lot of people like saying 
um, I watch a lot of YouTube, like, commentaries and uh, video essays. And I've surprisingly seen a lot of people raving about it. And I was surprised. So I was like, What I've noticed is the people that love it um, are either quite a bit younger or have not read Interview with a Vampire or maybe Mm -hmm. not seen the first one. It was so far off from the book that I felt like they had just dug up Anne Rice's body and just peed on her. Like, I just, I'm an OG. I I started reading Anne Rice in seventh grade. That's how I found my love of paranormal was in seventh grade. So, and uh, not to toot my own horn, but I have email communication with uh, Anne Rice. Oh my God. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It was, you know, nothing big, just thanking her for standing up against the Goodreads bullies, but you know. Yeah. But still, I have it and I printed it out. (laughs) I mean, I would too. (laughs) Yeah. It just, it's one of those things where as an OG fan, diehard fan to watch what they did with it. And I, I have no problem with changing the actors, changing the the genders, changing the the races. I don't care about that. I mean, the world is what it is. But they went so far off who Louis was. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I just and I haven't. Maybe I need to go watch another couple episodes to give it to give it a true chance. But I I looked at my husband because I've been dying. I couldn't wait. I could not wait. And it came on right after Walking Dead. And I'm all I got my popcorn and I'm ready. In about 15, and 20 minutes. Yeah, I looked over. I said, turn it off. Just turn it off. Yeah, that's fair. That's kind of how I wish I was with this Vampire Academy show. Um, It really seemed to just take the skeleton of, like, the book and just, I mean, everything is out of order. Mm. It just, there's no character buildup. The thing that I love about the series is it's six books, and technically there's a spinoff with some of the characters from the first book getting more screen time. So if you're reading 12 books there's so much development of these characters and I really wish they did that because I just felt like there was no development. Um, You were just, it's very visual, but there's nothing to substantiate the visuals, you know, like Mm. you, you're just told that they had a friendship for years and you're told that they were close, but you don't know why Rose and Lissa are friends at all. It's just telling, telling, not showing. Yeah. Yeah. And which is crazy when you have a visual media, (laughs) like, like how do you miss that? (laughs) I just, so. and I'm at the age where I'm I'm past the middle part. So I feel like I've only got so much time left. I'm not devoting it to something I'm not enjoying. So my husband and I call it the Netflix try. And it doesn't matter if we're watching Prime or TV or whatever. It's the old Netflix try. We'll give it X amount of time and then we turn it off. Because I'm not yeah. wasting time that I can't get back. The Northman with uh, Alexander Skarsgård. I oh, am... No. A Viking diehard. I could not wait to see it. We were going to go to the theater, couldn't go. Finally came out. It was on, we could rent it for like seven bucks. That's seven dollars and two hours of my life that I'm never getting back. And yeah, I was so disappointed. So if I don't like something, I turn it off. I, I won't waste my time on it. Can I talk about Winchesters now? <laughs> oh my God, talk about Winchesters. <laughs> Uh, so it wasn't on this week, um, but last week it was on and we didn't talk about it in the last episode because we were recording that day. So we're talking about last week's episode um, and by far the best episode so far. So the, the issues you were having have been cleared up? No. Oh, <laughs> the, never mind. The, in- <laughs> the inconsistencies are still there, but this episode did not invite more, which was a big selling point for me. 
Okay. And it was definitely more of a supernatural vibe with the uh, case that they were on. So I did really much like that episode, but n- nothing's been explained yet and it's still bothering me. But I'm not giving up. <laughs> it's the and walking it, dead. It got crappy and I'm, I'm going down with the ship, man. <laughs> it's the same thing. Now we're to the part where the whole reason why Brie is here <laughs> is to interview her about her writing and everything. So she's an inspiring author, querying, I hate that word, an adult high fantasy novel. So Brie, when we have authors on, what we like to do is kind of get an idea of their like writing routine. Um, so do, is there a time of day that you write the best? Um, it's definitely hard to say. I tend to gravitate towards morning writing when I'm out of work. So if I take a vacation, I I really like to enjoy like the cup of coffee, get into it. However, with my job, I do work like seven to three because I work in a school. So I am easily adaptable and I pretty much have to write at night. So I am kind of a morning or a night writer at this point in my life. However, I go to bed at like nine o'clock so night writing for me is like seven o'clock at night yeah I don't know how some people do like the midnight thing it's so admirable I really like I used to be that way for sure because I had like a, an odd hour job previously um, I worked there from 2017 to 2020 and like I would sometimes not get home until eight o'clock and my night would start then so I used to be that way, but I also wouldn't go to work at like seven in the morning. I'd go to work at like noon the next day. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is like I can stay up until one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, but I can't imagine staying in front of the computer and writing that at that Oh, hour. absolutely. My brain starts to shut down by like one o'clock. I did yeah. one all-nighter on my, my YouTube channel. I did an all-nighter where I wrote with friends. Um, we started at, I think we did like an eight to 10 stream a 12 to two, and then a four to six. Um, And it was one of my most productive writing sessions ever. I think I was just fueled by adrenaline and Red Bull. Well, and I think it really helps when you do it with other people too. Like it wasn't just you sitting there writing. It was, I'm on this stream, so I have to to present, you know, I have to be there. (laughs) Yes, yes. It was definitely fun and I could do that like with other people, but you're right. If I was just me sitting in a room, I I think my brain would shut down by like midnight. (laughs) So actually, I didn't uh, actually give you a chance to introduce yourself. So if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your writing, you can go ahead and do that now. Perfect. Yes. So uh, my name is Bree. I have a YouTube channel that's dedicated to writing and reading. And that is just my name, Bree Bonomo. And I pretty much started my writing journey in fifth grade, where I started finding like poetry, Shel Silverstein, loved that. And I started mimicking a lot of things that I would see in poetry books and middle grade books. And as of now, I have nothing published. I am pursuing traditional publishing, but I primarily write in like the fantasy, sci-fi, horror genres. Um, and I am, cur- <laughs> even though I say that, I am also working on rom-coms, which I may pursue under a pen name at some point now with when you're writing the rom-coms is it very hard for you to not put in elements of like horror and stuff you know it's surprisingly not hard um I I I never thought about and maybe I I should say like I had written a young adult contemporary novel before 
And it was based on a lot of my like own experiences with sexuality and dating and mental health as a teenager. So maybe because I had that experience, it's not as hard, but I tend to find that I love the break from brain dumping all the time because <laughs> fantasy and horror, you, you know, you're creating magic or you're creating worlds and you're creating like all these intense things. And the rom-com is just such a relief from all that. So no, I don't find it hard to not want to add things in. That's magical. <laughs> that's good because um, when I, you know, years ago when I was actually writing books, um, I switched from one genre to another and I found myself like I was putting like things like the guy was shifting and stuff. And I'm like, wait, this is not paranormal. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I can see it's so it probably like especially when you're used to writing that so much like I could easily see where you can add certain things in but yeah I'm at least with this rom-com I'm not finding it very hard to stay on that like ground I have had no inclination to add magical elements that's good that's because I would think the fact that it's a rom-com if you were to accidentally put in like a horror scene or something like that that would really disrupt your flow I think because you'd have to go back and be like well this was a big chunk of it so now I have to take that out and figure out what I'm going to put in its place yes yeah that, that would definitely throw things into a frenzy I'm sure um and it could be too I do have to contribute that over the summer I was re I was picking up more rom-coms myself to read I had actually started this rom-com last year so it's not like time-wise it wasn't like an influence necessarily but I think like getting back into the flow after reading some romantic comedies has been like that's made it easier. Yeah, I'm sure that's a big help. I found that way um, when I started writing young adult because I used to only write adult mm -hmm. stuff. And then I started only really enjoying reading young adult. And, you know, it, if I hadn't done that, I don't think I ever would feel comfortable enough to write it either. Yes. Yeah, I, I attest because I switched from writing young adult fantasy, which I only really wrote one book, to be honest, maybe two and one and a half, really. Um, and then I decided that I didn't like the limitations of, like, perspective. I think that's the best way to say it. Um, I love YA fantasy, um, but I was finding it kind of repetitive, and I liked to dig deeper into the psyche. I do have my psychology degree. I am a counselor. So it is easy for me to want to dig deeper, and there's just more parameters around the young adult genre. So for me, I did the opposite where I started reading more adult to be able to get into that mindset to be able to write my own. Yeah, I imagine writing anything having to do with mental health with young adult is a lot more difficult to navigate and also possibly more emotional to write than an adult mental health. I, I would say it's it could be equal. Um, I mean, as someone who works with teenagers primarily it is there is just something raw about teenagers and kids going through these kind of experiences but I feel like if you're a teenager writing reading a YA book you're gonna relate more than you're gonna be like impacted whereas I think as an adult reading a young adult mental health book that's where you'll end up being like it's gonna be a harder read and possibly write um but it just depends, I think, on your own perspective and what's going on in your life, really. Because I think they could both be impactful. I've definitely read some intense adult books where I'm like, it just hit me in the feels and took me out for a week. Yeah, then that's what I'm thinking. Like, for me, I could, 
and it's it's a horrible thing to say this out in out of context it's sound bad but I swear I'm not a psychopath or anything but I could probably read an adult going through you know just hell of stuff and yeah not be as affected as having to read it for a, like a teenager yeah yeah I could see that too I I think we as as adult reading it we kind of desensitize a little bit especially if we've gone through our own stuff as an adult reading from a young adult perspective and knowing that they don't have the same bandwidth that we do they don't have the same resiliency like they're still bidding that up I think that does hit me harder truthfully because I think it's sorry I didn't mean to interrupt but I think it's also sort of the same like how we are we're always like in movies and stuff you know put the the humans through it, whatever you want to put them through. But the minute that an animal is affected, we're like, no, we're done. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's anything that's vulnerable. I mean, anybody can be vulnerable, but children and animals, they don't have the same options or escape as adults can. Like they can't, like they don't have the same abilities to thrive sometimes. So I think that's really what makes it harder is knowing that sometimes kids are just stuck in that position or that place that yeah, is making them like, hurt. You just want to like hug them and like protect them from everything. Whereas, I mean, you want to do that with adults too, but I feel like we have this kind of mindset sometimes where adults are supposed to be going through it themselves, even though we know that's not true, mm-hmm. but because of the way society is and everything, we kind of just like, we're adults. So we're supposed to be handling it ourselves. You know what I mean? Exactly. No, absolutely. And again, they, there's more resources for adults where they can pick up a phone, they can drive away, they can escape things, and they can get help, whereas kids are more dependent on the people who are the adults in the situation. Right. <clears throat> um, so I'm going to preface this question um, because the last time I asked it, I had to clarify it just so that because it's kind of a confusing question sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But when I ask this question, I don't just mean like physical things, um, but more like what do you have to have when you write? So the question is, mm-hmm. is what tools do you feel are um, indispensable for writing? But when we say tools, we don't necessarily mean like craft books and, you know, the usual stuff. What is gotcha. it that you have to have when you write that you consider indispensable? Yeah, definitely a good question. And I appreciate the the better explanation. (laughs) I would definitely say, I mean, my first go-to is I need to be in comfortable clothes. So I, I just feel like when I'm too restricted or if I'm like too dressed up or something, it reminds me of work. And on that end, like I like to be in an environment that is completely detached from my day job because my day job is stressful and I want to be someplace where I can just let the creativity flow. I do have my own office where I'm surrounded by books, so that's my primary go-to, but I've found that I can write in other places. Like recently, I started a writing club in a salt cave, and we just sit in the salt, and we write, and we have community, and it's wonderful. And like I said, I don't have to have any obligations or pressure to think of work when I'm there, so I, I just love an environment away from my job. And other than the environment and my comfy clothes, water. I drink water like a fiend. I need it all the time. And if I sit for too long, I am immediately dehydrated like after five minutes. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm probably exaggerating, but it's it's bad. I'm always drinking water. <laughs> I probably don't drink as much as I should. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the reason we ask that question is because, like, when I write, I have to, and this people always think this is the weirdest freaking thing, but I have to put on rings when I write. If I don't have rings mm-hmm. on, I don't. There, for some reason, the momentum is just not there. That's fascinating. Funny enough, I'd usually take my rings off. <laughs> it's so weird because I don't know if it's like the fact that there's the weight on my fingers and it's like keeping mm-hmm. my hands on the keyboard or what it is. But if I don't put the rings on first, writing doesn't get done. Like, you know, I might, you know, write out like a hundred words or something. But if I put the rings on, I could get, you know, thousands. It's just really strange, but it's just something I've noticed. So I was always curious about other authors and if they have things like that. Yeah, I, I do love that question. Um, I don't I don't have anything else like pretty tangible other than like the things that like make me comfortable. But I do take my rings off because I tend to find that they distract me. And I don't know if my fingers fall or something while I'm typing, but it's just it's too much. <laughs> I like loose and comfy completely. So now how long does it take you? I know you haven't written a lot of them, but how long do you, would you say it takes you to write a book? Um... Very good question. I have written, I think, five total. One novella and four full-length novels hmm, at this point. More than I was aware of, so that's nice. <laughs> yeah. I Well, to be honest, too, I started my YouTube channel like as I was already in the midst of writing. <laughs> so mm, okay. I didn't start as I – like. I started writing really in college. And that was in like between 2010 and 2014, like when I really started writing books for like to write books. So it's been I have some experience (laughs) and uh, I started my channel when I was in the middle of my second book. Um, And I was a writing fiend for like two years. (laughs) But anyway, it definitely depends. Uh, What I tend to find is that I can really pop through a book pretty quickly if I am like if all the stars align for me, if I'm determined, if I don't have anything crazy going on in my life, if I'm not in school, that's a big factor, which I am currently. So I would probably say like a best estimate is like from start to finish and getting into editing. I'd probably say about three months it would take me or less. Not to say that everything's going to be perfect in that three months, but I could probably get a whole draft done in three months. Yeah. And I mean, most of the time when we ask that question, we're talking, you know, first draft, because obviously it takes, Mm -hmm. you know, a long time to do several drafts and editing and all that stuff. Um, Now, would you say that for you, it varies depending on the genre? Like, does it take longer for you to write the fantasies versus the rom-coms or? Yes, I will definitely say that as a Yes. The rom-com, if we sat down and actually did it, easily could have been a month. But we did start the rom-com in November of 2021 for NaNoWriMo. And I was in the midst – like I had just restarted my college program to get my licensure credits. So I was taking three classes and burned out. (laughs) So I would easily think we would have finished that rom-com in a month. There was like no question, especially I will say too, it's co-written. So that helps, but I pick that up so easy when I've been away from it for a while. Whereas fantasy, I really have to like reread what I wrote, like kind of get in that mindset again, remember all the little plot threads I was trying to keep together. So it does take me longer to write fantasy and sci-fi. And do you consider yourself a plotter or a pantser? 
if you had asked me this question last year, I would have said a pantser, no doubt. Uh, however, I have learned that I maybe am more of a plotzer. I like to plot a little bit more in depth than I thought I did, and that has helped me a lot. But I still tend to like, I'm not a huge in-depth plotter. I like to have a general outline of just bullet points of like, these are the things I want to happen. And whatever happens in between those bullet points is kind of where I like pants and, and discovery, right? So, you know, the, the most important plot points is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. I know the beats I want to hit, but I don't exactly know how they're going to hit, if that makes sense. Gotcha. And now is that across all genres or do you find that you're kind of more pantsing slash discovery writing the rom-coms? No, I would say since last year when I outlined the rom-com, I have outlined everything else. I outlined an entire vampire novel, which I've yet to write, but I am so excited when I finally get to write it. I thought it would be this year for NaNo, but joke was on me. I was still in school. (laughs) Um, And I've also, the mermaid novel that I started for NaNo of 2020, I also went ahead when I, after I reread everything and kind of figured out where I was going, I plotted the rest of that story as well. Oh, okay. Maybe you can uh, work on the vampire book for Camp NaNo. (laughs) I might. I mean, I have I have three small goals that I feel like two of them I can finish by this year, which is finish the rom-com first draft and finish my mermaid first draft. And my other small goal would be to edit the sci-fi novella that I wanted to get to this year. It's written. I just haven't edited it. So I feel like between like they're very easily attainable goals, in my opinion. So I think next year will be dedicated to vampire in some capacity. I'll be curious to see about that on your YouTube channel. (laughs) Yes, I will definitely be sharing that, especially because I'll be hopefully returning in two weeks to YouTube. (laughs) Great, great. I have missed your videos, so I look forward to that. Thank you. I'm excited to be back. I just started to like rebrand everything this week. (laughs) Ooh. Um, So where do you think that you get most of your um, ideas for your books? Like, is there one specific way you get ideas or is it just comes out of nowhere? I would say that I get ideas from a lot of places. I like to get ideas from daily life, uh, especially now that I have some rom-com contemporary stuff. There's definitely things that like in conversation will come up and we'll be like, oh, that would make a good book idea. Um, And that happens with fantasy as well. I also uh, sometimes stereotypically do get ideas from dreams. They're definitely not full-fledged ideas, but they are like scenes that come up in my dreams that I was like, ooh, that would be cool if I expanded on that. And I have pursued some of those either in like just brain dumping ideas for that or like plotting them out. And then otherwise sometimes the last thing that I tend to find is that I will read a book and be disappointed in it. And then when I'm talking to people and discussing why I've been disappointed and how I would like to have seen it play out, I will then kind of formulate an idea of how I would be able to write said book in my own style. So do you write it like a retelling kind of thing or? No, I, cause it's, would it wouldn't be verbatim. Like it's normally like, for instance, 
I'm going to use Twilight as an example <laughs> um, because I have a vampire book. So, for instance, I always thought that one Bella was too young. I, I do think as fun as Twilight can be, I do think it would have been better if they were actual adults and not kids because there's so many questionable things that happen in that series because they are actual che- like children. They're under 18. So take that idea, right? I had a lot of issues with vampires being under 18. So like that is partly what I did with my book is I'm like, okay, I don't like the fact that these are kids. So let me make them adults. And furthermore, there's so many problems with Edward and being like hundreds of years old and Bella being an actual teenager human. So let me play up the idea of being taken advantage of by the vampires and like not realizing that they're in a position of power and utilizing that against you. So it's the concept that I run with. And that is what my book is about, is the play on power dynamics and uh, abuse. Okay. So it's not like you're taking the the story of Twilight and rewriting it, but you're taking what you didn't like in Twilight and making sure you fix those things in your book. Yes. Yep. That's exactly gotcha. it. <clears throat> um. So you mentioned a little bit earlier that you're going the traditional route for publishing. Um, Can you tell us a little bit why you're choosing that and if you would ever change your mind and go to self-publishing? Sure. Yeah. So the, it's not really this mind blowing of an answer. The true fact is that doing everything by myself is like debilitatingly daunting to me. I already have anxiety and the thought of, having to make sure that I have to do the cover and pay people for my editing and find like all those little nitty gritty details and learning how to do ISBNs and (laughs) publishing and and getting book copies and all of that is just way too much for me. So truthfully, I just like the fact that a team would do most of the heavy work for me. I am completely fine marketing on my own. I would don't mind that at all, especially because I have a YouTube channel. I do my own marketing anyway for things. And I have no problem going to events. Like if my publisher didn't want to pay for events, I'd still have no problem doing them because I love to travel and I love to do things. But it's really the like cover design, the editing, like all of that, trying to do that on my own is just, it's a scary out there. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I first started it, I was, I was terrified and honestly, it, it still sometimes has trouble, but it's not as scary as it sounds. <laughs> um, I'm which sure, I think a I'm lot sure. of people realize once they have gone traditional, like, and then didn't, you know, kept going and sending out to, you know, queries and stuff and not getting any mm-hmm. acceptance. And then they decided to do self-publishing and then they realize, oh, it's, it's a scary, but you know, once you do, you know, two, one or two books, you kind of get into a groove of it, but I can totally understand why it just feels so overwhelming to think about all that before you do it. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen, like, I follow my friends on YouTube, like Sarah Sutton has, like, amazing success with, like, her tradition. And then Katie Wismer on YouTube as well has done really well. So I know it's doable. And I've seen, like, Katie Wismer has gorgeous covers. So I know that there are talented people out there and the books can do it and you can make it happen. But yeah, I just, I would like to try the traditional route if I can break in and if it doesn't happen or if I don't like the traditional route, then I'm definitely not opposed to doing the indie route. I follow a lot of indie authors. I think they're incredible and there's such like depth into some of the books that are out there that 
traditional publishing would have slept on. <laughs> so I do agree that both are, they have a lot of value in either path. And if I would get over the hurdle of fear, I wouldn't say no to doing it myself or doing like a small press even. Yeah. Um, you, you brought up Sarah Sutton and I got to tell you, she has figured this thing out, this mm -hmm. whole publishing thing. She's just, she has, you know, her, her routine of how she gets a book out and she just has figured exactly out how to do it for herself. And I am, every I time that she releases a book, I am just in awe at what she does to release a new book. I, for real. I mean, she just, she finds like the, the marketing strategies that are perfect for it. And then honestly, like her writing just improves and she's so young. Like she's only, I think like 23 or 24. So the fact that she figured all of this out before her life has started, you know what I mean? It's just like, I've been, she's such an inspiration to me. Yeah, me too. And you know, she does so much more work than a lot of self-published people do. I mean, just the fact that she goes over her manuscript so many times and in so many different ways, just the dedication she has, it just, it, there's, there's a reason I watch her YouTube videos. Yes. Nope. Totally agree. Like that girl uh, is, is going to go places and I could easily see her very much like an Elise Kova situation, if you know who that is. Um, another indie published author who has just massive success that she was kind of like headhunted, I believe, to be traditionally published. But they did. She's kind of hybrid now where the traditional publishing is more for foreign rights and any type of like TV rights. And she still maintains control, total control over all of her books. So like I could easily see Sarah going in that road, too. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting way to do it because the whole concept of like foreign rights and like translating the books and stuff, that to me is terrifying. I don't know if oh I could God, ever yeah. do that. Yeah, I would like I don't know how to start to begin with and then you're going to tell me to to hop on that. I'd be like, "Nope, thank you. We're just English forever. Sorry." <laughs> <laughs> um so would you say that there was anything surprising that you've learned when you were creating your books anything that you know what was the most surprising thing that you've learned or done as far as something surprising um I would probably just say like how much depth really goes into writing a book because really the first draft can be easy anybody could really write the first draft and Obviously, there's a lot of people that don't, but it was the after the fact of how much change and dedication has to go into the editing process. I think that surprised me the most. And I also really had to figure out my own editing style because the first time I ever edited a book, it was a co-written book. So I worked with somebody else and that was so rewarding completely but it's a very different working on your own and trying to get feedback and trying to find readers and beta readers, alpha readers, critique partners and doing all of it and then taking that feedback. And then also, like, when do you stop editing? Like, when did you edit too much? So the whole editing process, I would say, was very weird and strange to navigate. But I have found that I really love editing after I kind of figured it out a little bit better. It's funny. I don't like editing my own stuff, but I can edit everybody else's stuff like crazy. Like I could pick it apart, but my own mm -hmm. stuff and I do not want to do it. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely consider 
I I think I'm a pretty good editor. And this is just me saying it from feedback I've gotten from people who I've given critiques for that I probably could do well, maybe not editing per se, but like offering critiques and like things to change. I guess that is editing, but um, developmental edits. That's what I want to say. I think I'd be good at developmental edits because I can really like look at the larger picture and see like how parts move and like what works and what doesn't work. And I've offered that to people before and they seem to be very happy with that. So yeah. And I think that's the part that we as writers struggle with the most because we can't take ourselves out of the fact that it's our story Mm -hmm. and like easily identify what could possibly be like a plot hole or what needs to come out or what doesn't make sense because we wrote it. We don't want to change it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And it is hard. And I think that's coming back to the original question. That is why it surprised me so much because, you know, I was so married to some of these ideas. And then when I finally got over myself and, you know, looked at the bigger picture, I I freed up a lot of those gripes with the editing that I would have had initially because I was like, okay, but yeah, but if I just do this, like the book is stronger for it and like I can make it up in other ways and I can do this. So it definitely is something to overcome yourself first to be able to enjoy editing. Yeah. And I, I- you know, it's, I think after we have somebody else look at it and tell us these things, it's easier for us to see them as well and realize that that is correct. It's just, if we don't ever have anybody else look at it, that's when it becomes a problem because we can't look at our own story and say, oh yeah, maybe this isn't quite right because then we're, we're just too connected to the words, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very important to get a second pair of eyes (laughs) and maybe a third. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely, like, I ended up going with my, the manuscript I'm currently querying, I did end up uh, requesting and paying for some critiques. Like, I paid for a 10-page critique, and I also um, paid for a query letter critique. And I do think, like, going that route, even though I don't know if I'd pay every single time, as I get better, maybe, hopefully, (laughs) but it was very rewarding overall to get that done and just see what other people would think of it to be able to catch agent's eyes. And now could you give everybody a little bit idea where they can find that kind of person? Absolutely. So one, I could definitely recommend the Writer's Sanctuary. It is two authors. They have a company called the Writer's Sanctuary. And um, the one author in more particular has Cherry Pie Author Services And they are a little bit pricier, but they do very, very good work. Um, I would definitely recommend that. They are published traditionally, so they also have the nose about how to get that. So that's one resource. I could also suggest Fiverr, though I do tend to put like a asterisk about Fiverr just because you don't know who you might be getting. A lot of people remain pretty anonymous, so they might say that, they have a book deal or that they publish five books, but then they don't say who they are. So it's really hard for you to actually see those credentials, which is why I'd recommend going maybe more towards websites like Cherry Pie Author Services or something that has a name and a face attached because for Cherry Pie, the author is Mary Weber and she like her, you can look her up and you can see that she's published and stuff like that. So I would just recommend when you Google to make sure that they have credentials that you can Google outside of their website. 
That's a good tip. Can you tell us about mm-hmm. your YouTube channel? Anything else you want us to want the listeners to know? Sure. Um, so I primarily focus on reading and writing and my YouTube channel, though, of course, some life stuff gets in there because I do like to vlog. But I am mostly just a conversational YouTube. I don't really offer tips and tricks. I do have some videos on just things that have been requested to talk about through my experience. So for instance, like I have talked about the difference between a query letter and a synopsis because people had been questioning and I was like, okay, I've just written both of these. So let's talk about it. But most of mine is more conversational. Like I like doing discussion videos where I talk about things in the writing context and bring in my psychology degree. And I like doing vlogs about my writing. I, I very much enjoy them. your vlogs. <laughs> yeah, I got to check them out because they looked good. I like your thumbnails. Thank All right. you. To finish this up, we do a game called This or That. It's a quick fire game of options. You pick what you prefer. Don't, don't put too much thought into it. <laughs> okay. All right. You ready? Let's go. Werewolves or vampires? Vampires. Time travel or aliens? Time travel. Supernatural or ghost whisperer? Ghost whisperer. Charmed or bewitched? Charmed. Eh. Romance or dystopian? (laughs) Dystopian. Coffee or tea? I have a lot of tea, but I'm going to go with coffee because I drink that more. That's my girl. Spring or summer? (laughs) Summer. Pen or pencil? Pen. Tanks or teas? Teas. Flip-flops or sneakers? Sneakers. Ocean or land? Ocean. Beach or woods? Oh, shoot. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go with woods, but I would probably pick both. <laughs> <laughs> Music or silence? Music. Country or pop? Pop. Sweet or savory? Savory. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Going to a club or dancing in the kitchen? Dancing in the kitchen. Yeah. Dog or cat? Dog, because I have two dogs, but I love cats. <laughs> I love them all. Beer or whiskey? <laughs> whiskey. Burger or salad? Salad. I don't like burgers. We were almost going out to eat, and then you said that. Demons <laughs> or angels? Uh, demons. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Oh, man. <laughs> I didn't even Let's think about it. the fact that question was on there. <laughs> um, okay, I got – I'm – it's so hard because <laughs> I grew Harry Potter got me into reading and writing without that. I would not be a reader or writer. However, I have every year I have a Lord of the Rings marathon with my, with some of my best friends and we make an entire weekend of just rewatching the movies. Oh, I love it's that. very hard to pick one. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Okay. You know what? We'll let you pass on that. One. <laughs> However, the next question will determine whether or not we're besties for life. Oh, man. Marvel or DC? Uh, <gasps> <laughs> I'm so torn. Um, oh, my God. Because my favorite... Uh, I don't know, because I I do both. <laughs> um, I wish you could see my face right now. Because, <laughs> like... My favorite characters, like my favorite heroes, anti-villains, would be like Spider-Man, Venom, Raven. But I do tend to like darker 
but I really was probably a more of a Marvel fan growing up. Okay, that's, gonna that's have to the say correct Marvel. answer. That's the correct answer. <laughs> Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Van Helsing or Interview with a Vampire? So I've truthfully never read Interview with a Vampire, even though I love the movie. It's on my list. Oh. It's very hard to get into because <laughs> of if the If you liked the movie, girl, wait till you read the book. I will. I do own it. I will get there. Oh, and in this case, so literally hurt. what got me into this whole paranormal world and writing and everything was interview. Well, actually, writing was Charlotte's mm-hmm. Web, but the whole paranormal world was interview with a vampire. Yeah, yeah. In this I'm, case, so we are just on a technicality, I'm going to have to go with Van Helsing, but I also didn't <laughs> like, I've only watched the movie. So either one, I don't know. They're tied. Mm <laughs> Jenny, like was here? Hugh Jackman, yeah. Van Helsing. Yes. <laughs> so like, I'm gonna go with. Well, I don't. Oh, it's so hard even going off movie because then you have like, you know, Brad Pitt. <laughs> it's you know I was not a big Brad Pitt fan until that movie, <laughs> and now he is like I can't hear Jen now. Can you hear her? No, I can't. Although I'm I see here. her little thing talking. Yeah, I'm, I'm. We're typing on the side. Told her I can't hear. Okay, so her internet's going out, so we are going to go ahead and finish it out together. So okay. do you have a website other than just your YouTube or any place else that people can find you? Um, no website, but I am active on Instagram at brie.b.writes. And I have a TikTok that I post writing and reading relating content, and that is Frantic Fairy. And then we'll make sure that we have all that in the show notes, including your YouTube address. Yes, and you can pretty much find any link anywhere on any of my platforms. So I say I'm easy to stalk. Mm-hmm. I'm boring to stalk, but I'm easy to stalk. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. You, you were so much fun. And she well, said, thank you for having me. Jen said, thanks. And then sorry, she, you can't hear her. That's okay. <laughs> Jen, thank you so much for inviting me on this. And I'm glad I randomly saw that Instagram post one day. <laughs> this was fun. Yeah, we definitely got to have you back, especially if you get an agent. Thanks again to Bree for joining us. And on behalf of Genevieve Scholl, we will still, we will see you guys next week. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Get Mystical and would like to email the hostesses, you can do so at letsgetmysticalpodcast at gmail.com or join the Facebook group, both which will be listed in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you.